Reality, the podcast. Hello, Pod Tribe. I'm your host, Bobby Joe. Co-hosting with me today, we have Ariane Labelle. We have with us today Daniel Jeb Venerdi. He's the creator of Conscious Hustle, Sales for Introverts, and Soul Camp Retreats. Daniel has many years' experience as a speaker, a mentor, and as a coach for the conscious entrepreneur. Thank you for being here with us today, Daniel. Thank you for having me. So, Daniel, why is it important to have guidance on your personal journey? So, on my personal journey specifically, yeah, I, I didn't realize that I, had no, I wasn't able to articulate this when I was going through it in the first stages for myself. But I've since, since holding space for other people, been able to articulate some reasons why in this modern kind of cultural consensus, mentorship and guidance is important. So first of all, guidance and mentorship by somebody who has achieved a higher level of mastery is something that seems to be obviously important, right? You want to bake a cake, go with the people who already baked the cakes. But when we talk about a broader experience that involves the entirety of life, energy, matter, consciousness, there, due to several reasons, one, rapid technological advancement is probably the most powerful factor at play. Um, We have accidentally robbed ourselves from rites of passage. In some manners, I believe that was done on purpose, but with the rapid advancement of technology post the Industrial Revolution, we have set up a framework for ourselves in life where we no longer necessarily are compelled by the same survival instincts, getting food, finding water, building our own shelter. And so many of these processes complete what you might call the power cycle. And the power cycle is the, you know, the process of the transmutation of energy compelled by the outside world. So now we're here, sort of held by the structure that we've set up for ourselves technologically and quite lost in, in very many ways. And the way I look at mentorship now, the way I personally hold mentorship, is to be able to be somewhat of a, a placeholder for that empty power cycle and those empty rites of passage which are no longer birthrights to the human being. Uh, there is a tremendous amount of different ways that mentorship can be held and in, in in the way and the, the techniques can be deployed. But what I found is the primary reason that people come to me for mentorship with all the different things that I might be able to offer them is, is one simple thing, one tie-in bind. For some reason, people come to me so I can tell them the truth that they already know about themselves. For some reason, they believe me when I say it, even though they don't believe themselves. And I think that a number of other mentors have their own little specific niche in there. Perhaps some are more caring or more uh, motherly or fatherly or brotherly or, or really technically focused. So for me, those have been the biggest driving factors and thrusts and what I feel has been the largest, the most magnetic aspect of how I particularly mentor, that ability to relate someone's known truth back to them that cuts through the existential bullshit that they've laid on top of it. And have you had some of your own mentors as well along the way? Kind of. Not in a way, uh, not in so much of a way that people seek me out. Like, I'm, I have been, let's call it like the coaching mentorship space, the professional mentorship space where people put themselves out there specifically to do that. Not too much in that way. 
However, I have had a, a small handful of people who I sought out for mentorship or who sought me out as a mentee in my life that have been profoundly beneficial to my growth. And the one tying bind that I think all of these people had is that for whatever moment, they served as sort of a catcher in the rye, right? Like a de facto parent, allowing me to fumble and flail and not hold my failures against my soul, but rather provide a space that they, they actually rounded out all of those edges for me and provided me a container in which I could, without lifelong judgment, better myself and transcend most of my most profound mentors have been fight coaches. I've had some sales coaches. One of my, the old VP of sales for the company I left before corporate, she was a mentor to me. I've had a general manager and an assistant general manager who took time out to mentor me. And a lot of mentorship I've gotten through uh, what you might call accidental mentors who didn't take that role on purposefully <laughs> and or people I might've cast that responsibility onto unknowingly former partners, you know, former friends, or still good friends, X, Y, Z, but who are de facto taking on that responsibility for me without, you know, willingly agreeing to do so. Mentorship really is a beautiful thing. I mean, the long-term process based on mutual trust and respect. On the other hand, coaching, you do that also, but that's for a short period of time and it follows structure and a formal approach, right? Whereas mentorship uh, an informal association between mentor and mentee. Have you ever sought any coaches? Yes, I did. So I had, uh, you know, once again, like fight training coaches, they, they would be considered both coaches and mentors. I hired a nutritionist as a coach before. I've hired a Pilates instructor as a coach before. Most recently, one of my favorite motivators online, an extremely intense philosopher, uh, maybe the most intense philosopher you've ever seen named Wes Watson, who spent 10 years in the California correctional system and who came out this like P-man looking Yoda. I purchased his program for a few months. But I have, and in one of my brothers, Bearheart Saputo, has, uh, we have a very brotherly, like equal sort of relationship. But in all fairness, I, I've sought out a lot of his mentorship and professional coaching help, as well as people who are in the medicine community and who hold the sacred medicines, uh, I look at those people in some aspects as coaches as well in a, in a professional context. You never hired someone like me, though. You never had a mentor like you? No, I mean, why would I need? I'm already me. It's <laughs> you know true. I mean? It's true. One <laughs> of the coolest mentors out there. Oh, thanks. Oh, I'm blushing. My mom would be happy to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, you know, that catalyst moment of wanting to change because uh, like you said, you sort of just realized, you know, where you're built to look at society and see like, wow, there's something wrong before changing others. I need to change myself. Do you remember what that moment was? When that particular truth hit me? Yes. Is that what you're asking? Mm -hmm. uh, I would, well, some, that truth to me is so potent that little stardust fragments of, of it, I think have sprinkled my life and everybody else's life, whether or not we, we choose to follow that. And some people might have found themselves circumstantially in situations where it was more potent to them or had a mentor who, who reinstilled that in them. 
but it was for since my late teens the knowledge of that like if you were to, were to tell me that i would have understood uh, at least linguistically but i would really credit you know the grandmother ayahuasca for driving that home and encoding that into my dna for those who don't know what is ayahuasca ayahuasca is an entheogenic plant medicine from the amazon and also able to be cultivated in a few places outside of the amazon and this is a medicine that has been held sacredly for what many people claim to be several thousand years, but at least all of our living lives. And ayahuasca is a combination of two plants. And I won't go into the biology of what it is too much. But when taken, taken as sacrament in the correct and uh, reverent set and setting, has a profound ability for a significant amount of people, but not all people, to offer profound substantive healing, as well as expansion and growth. So it's not, it's typically when we look sacramentally and respectfully at the medicines, the word healing is, is, is at the forefront of most of those conversations, and I respect that tremendously. But it's not always the idea of healing saying going from, from bad to good right, like a broke arm to fixed arm. It could also be going from good to great, weak arm to strong arm, or normal arm to strong arm. So it is a very sacred teacher to me. I, I bow down to its far superior intelligence and have been that and a few other things have been you know, definitive catalyst for change in my life. It's always interesting for me. I'm very passionate about hearing people's, you know, catalyst moments, that that light bulb moment, if you will. Because for me, my journey was through therapy, cognitive behavior therapy and counseling, but it still left me wanting more, you know, like how you're saying to find someone who can tell you what you already know, but make it so you believe it yourself. And for me, yeah. that person was at the end. I met her. She is my first mentor, my coach. And it was just, you know, really making me, she really made me believe everything that I couldn't let myself believe. Oh. I am both like moved by that and not surprised. <laughs> I was trained by the best. That's why. <laughs> oh, that's, that's very kind of you. To, everybody who deserves a lot of recognition always gives it back up to somebody else. So I, I will turn that right back to you. And yeah, I, it was... It's such an honor and a pleasure to work with you and, and even to get that reflection. How did you wow. meet Ariane? So I was, I left corporate America over seven, it becomes vague. So pardon me if I throw science you on the numbers, like seven, eight, something, nine years ago and went on a kind of a digital nomad journey, which led me to Thailand and then led me into a hiatus state. And one of my former colleagues, Amber Zuxwert, offered me to come and partner with her in her, you know, what could be kind of simply a retreat business in Costa Rica. And Amber had a, a tremendous set of skills and I had a, a very valuable set of skills that were very uncommon to the people in the conscious business space because of my corporate track record. And so together we developed a living mentorship slash work trade program. And Ariane was one of the very first people who came through that program. So we met first by her applying to the program and me interviewing her. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I was sold very quickly you know, <laughs> and uh, couldn't be happier at the entire process. I, I 
I'm super selective now. I, I've coached and trained and I'm not going to say mentor, but coached and trained now so many people. And the more and more people in, I coach and train, the less and less people I want to coach and train. I get, I am working on a quality over quantity model here. And for the amount of people who are essentially willing to give me money for my coaching services, I'll probably end up wanting to work with three to 5% of those people. And I think when I look at the, the archetype of people who I enjoy working with, who I feel satiated, who I feel whole about working with, her face is like one of the first ones that flashes in my mind. I totally oh. see that. <laughs> totally. Um, there's this sense of tribe with that. And that's what, that was the first you know moment for me where I realized how important it is to have peers that, um, you know, give you those feel good moments more often than not. It feels great, you know, and I think there's a, there's a balance between there, there is a, there is a, um, a very intoxicating feel to when a lot of people come to you for mentorship, you start getting your head up your ass and think you're the shit, you know, oh, and, yeah. it's, <laughs> I, and it's, it's, it's not some people, I believe it are in it just for that. But I think a lot of very good intention people are not used to this level of intoxicating adornment and they then play into it. You know, a lot of people who who start religions or philosophies or meditation groups, two, three, four or five years later down the line, like you just saw it happen with Nako, right? They are not able to actually take in the adornment energy that they receive. And then they want to start putting themselves in what I call the God spot. Like there's a channel between you and source. The coach's responsibility is supposed to, if they have one responsibility, it's to stay the fuck out of that channel, right? If they, if the, the channel is clogged, it's clogged with bacteria and shit and trauma, X, Y, Z, and at the highest, that person might be, whether it's a mentor or a coach, just a friend or big brother, they might be able to provide some assistance that allows you to unclog the pipe between you and source. What unfortunately happens a lot is they end up standing in that pipeline or the mentee ends up turning their site from source to the mentor. And it's one of those weird situations where like, it's like a convenient shared lie. And so you cannot say anything about it for years, but it always ends poorly. Uh, it was nice with Ariane. Like there is a bit of a, there is a little bit of like a, an elder younger dynamic between us as mentor mentee. But at any time she can call me and be like, yo, dude, you act like a dumbass. This is what you need to change your life. I'm like, work. There's no, <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm not de facto right in any of our conversations or the de facto leader by any means or de facto advanced in any way whatsoever. And if she were to offer me any correction about myself, it would not violate any mentor-mentee relationship that we had at all. It would actually honor and restabilize it. I honestly think that that's one of, of the things that I appreciated the most about us because we can communicate as friends, but still have that mentor-mentee relationship. And, you know, to kind of go back to the initial story about how we met, I actually spent 16 hours writing up my application letter <laughs> for that, that, that fellowship that I did with you in Costa Rica. And wow. you, you ended up responding like literally 20 minutes after I sent it sent it. And to be quite honest with our listeners, meeting Daniel was literally the catalyst that changed the direction of my life completely. And 
that's really truly the power that some mentors can have in your life where, you know, they kind of give you, like you said, Bobby Joe, that golden nugget. Right. And yeah, it really skyrocketed, skyrocketed my life in a completely new and different way. And what was really great about Daniel's mentorship style or coaching style is he really is just a space holder. He'll give you the tools and the tidbits that you need in order to make things flow together. But at the end, he gives you that room to bring it together as you wish. So going back to how you were talking about, you know, the mentors kind of standing in the place of God or playing guru, as opposed to giving their clients the tools to achieve that connection for themselves. I think you, out of all the mentors and the coaches that I've ever had, you were the, the only one who didn't do that. Wow. See, that's intoxicating. Now I'm going to add that to my own legend and make myself <laughs> get, all, get all full of myself. Good. You know, you have to respect me in this way because Arian said. So thank you. I received that and I'll do my best not to let it turn me into an asshole. <laughs> Stay humble. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's day, like when you do good work, like human reflection of beauty is intoxicating my head you know depending on how often i choose to do videos i get big or small audiences like a lot of people cheering me on and messaging me and i noticed very quickly into this that then i started pandering a little bit like oh i just i like the feeling of people being nice to me mm. you know what i mean i like the pe feeling of people saying oh you figured it out nobody else can you know what i mean and i was like oh i'm an asshole you know what I mean? Like everybody is a unique little snowflake. I've just put myself out in a way that maybe my unique little snowflake, this is more on front street. And uh, I have accidentally taken the position from time to time of somebody who's standing in the God spot. And God don't fuck me. You know, I'm not, I, I, I know in my heart that we are all living embodied God, a high fractal of the most high, but I'm not source. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. like, and uh, it's a very, it, it takes a huge veil cast over the earth, even to provide an environment where we can do this so commonly to each other. Like you said, everyone, you know, wants to receive kindness. You know, ki kindness is contagious, just like negativity. And I feel people really overlook the power that being genuine and kind and uplifting towards your peers, uh, you know, the, the positivity that has on you, that has on your environment, that has on everyone, you know, it's just good energy. And, you know, we're, we're kind of starving for it now because of this lack of connection with each other in, in 3D space, man, just something about just being in the presence of people who are not attempting to vampirically suck off of you or to subconsciously use you as a catalyst for a new adventure or something like that, or is just people being there alone, around Without, you know, everybody has a hidden agenda deep in their subconscious somewhere. It's not necessarily nefarious. Maybe it's just interwoven into their DNA and not something bad. But just being around with people who are kind of in a state of stasis is like, that's the real healing work, really. That's what the sacred plant medicine brings us to. Sacred plant medicine is not an end of the road. It's a checkpoint on the way to clear energy and remind you of what your responsibility is and to remind you what day-to-day -day work is you know, for two years. The plants told me one thing just over and over again. It was do push-ups. So I'm not giving you any other messages until you get back into your physical body in a more profound way. You're not dancing in the cosmos. You're not doing this. You're not fulfilling your basic day-to-day -day responsibilities of being the space holder because you're not empowering your physical body in a way that you could. You know, you are in a little bit. I'm definitely doing it in a way that is more than the 
standard American diet style away, but not in the way that pushes the thresholds of what I can really do. I like that. It's, it's honestly one thing that's super important too. If you're going to be working with clients in any capacity, but especially in the form of coaching or mentorship, there has to be that kind of grounding and embodiment in order for you to be able to do that work. Cause if you're not grounding, if you're not taking care of yourself, this work becomes that much more challenging. And I find it can really suck you dry if you're not careful, if you don't have that, that self mastery, that practice that, that, that keeps you steady and in flow with yourself. I would certainly agree. It's a, it's a suck on the spirit. You know, with Ariane, I got really lucky finding that mentor that I clicked with right away. So for people, our listeners who are struggling finding a mentor that they can vibe with, do you have any pointers? For finding the right mentor? Yeah. So, you know, first and foremost, you know, and this is a little bit of an asterisk on this because of the current state of affairs that we are in the world, the physical body and the temple of the physical body is where the spiritual energy is held. And um, I would ideally, sometimes people just need to reach out to the first life vest. But if somebody has some ability to do this, I would say the hierarchy is to get your body moving first and find mentorship space where that is either advocated, promoted, or a centralized part of what you're doing. 99% of personal trainers do a better job at business coaching than most business coaches do, right? We're talking about people who just have you do push-ups and sit-ups and get you in a clear state of mind where you're not infected by demonic parasitical energy. Like exercise is exorcism in a very practical way, not in like a hippy-dippy way. We get bogged down with energies. It's the single most practical way to clear low vibrational energy from the system and reconnect yourself to source. Now, if that is the case. Um, let's say if you, and, and some people don't really have the gumption to get that going, you know, I might be a terrible person to tell people to find a mentor because like I, I go about things in a very different way. So if I was looking for a mentor, I would, so I could, let me tell you what I, I would find, right. And I'm, I'm a unique snowflake and me and Ariane have, Ariane have some similarities I would be looking for somebody who was not only blunt with the truth, but kind of impeded into me with the truth. Like what, not only uh, risked hurting my feelings, but it was almost like a, like a mainstay. You know what I mean? Because I'm rather dense. So for somebody to penetrate me with truth, they have to risk hurting my feelings. And uh, I wouldn't want them to be touchy about that. And through that process, through being able to hold that with integrity and not trying to manipulate me in a vulnerable space, um, I would feel whether or not that they were a suitable mentor for me. Uh, but to maybe to be more specific, can we talk about like a coach and a mentor and like a specific, like uh, in a specific avenue? We're talking about life coaching, business coaching, you know, breath work. Can you explain it's- actually all the differences for our listeners? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a vast array of different professional coaches and mentors that do all form of everything. Right. So in this world, like if we're talking about the people who are interested in say lifestyle, lifestyle design or living their best life, you have 
one group of people that uh, they are primarily focused on monetary hacking. This would be like the digital nomads of the world, right? And mentorship is primarily based around best business practices, marketing, sales funnels, sales, how to set up a program. It's very much based around business and the liberation of the human being from the nine to five grind. There's a huge value in that. And then you have other groups of people who are teaching skills that are perhaps skills that like a yoga teacher training, for example, or a Wim Hof breath seminar. Then you have other people who I kind of sit in that space a little bit more who hold a wider blanket over all of these things, not necessarily offering a specific mastery in any specific one, unless that's evident, but offering blanket support. And then there's different variations all the way through. You have medicine people, you have tantra people, you have breathwork coaches. So one thing I would say to the general audience is that let's say if they're looking at the people who offer those more quote unquote spiritual coaching skills like tantra, breathwork, yoga, Uh, While holding the coach to a high standard of integrity, you might have to forgive them for being terrible at business, right? Because most of them are terrible at business. That doesn't mean they don't have some great things to offer into your life. So that's like a little quick pointer. That doesn't mean they're allowed to overcharge you, undercharge you, not show up. It means that their approach and their delivery when you're talking about technical, more masculine edge things might be a bit lacking. And in the same respect, if you're looking for a person who's offering more technical business coaching, you might have to forgive them a little bit for not having their edges rounded in a perfect way, right? Uh, A business coach is typically, here's what everybody pretends. Everybody pretends like the client actually wants to have a business. And 99% of the time they don't. What they want is a cosign for a delusion. They don't want to actually do the things. They might want it better than working at Target or nine to five in the office, but more often than not, they want the postcard, not the blood, sweat, and not the gross feeling of being broke and being rejected. I was just going to make a comment. Um, I think a lot of people look at mentors and coaches as like the end all be all, like you're going to get all the answers to everything you've been looking for and somehow the work is going to get done for you. Um, But it's actually very much the contrary. And I think a lot of people, especially when they're searching for business coaches and mentors, there is such a huge delusion in that world because a lot of the business coaches out there are selling you on the front end. They're teaching you the front end or a little bit of the back end, like, you know, how to do sales and things like that. But the foundational juice of actually creating a business is not there. And I think before people seek out business mentors and things like that, make sure that you have an understanding of the foundational operational piece of the business or the foundations of whatever it is that you're trying to create. Make sure that you have that first before going to a coach and hoping to get all the answers there. Because I find that a lot of the time you're going to end up with a lot of blank spots in the information that you get from various people. So Yeah, don't go into it with a delusion. I think so many people get caught up in that and they'll spend five to 10 grand thinking this is going to be the outcome of the project. But if you're not doing the foundational work yourself before going into that, you have the potential of wasting a lot of money. That's the thing too, coming from me, um, someone who's done it through therapy. Um, You know, that's also not free. 
there's a lot of groundwork. There's a lot of finding different therapists. Again, at least what makes you a little bit lucky is that there's a governor, governing body. When I first met Adiane, I knew nothing about coaching or mentorship. I thought it was like, oh yeah, a coach, that's a hockey team or a volleyball coach. That's it. There was nothing more than that. You know, uh, your mentor, yeah, that's your work, your, your manager at work. And then she really opened my eyes. And then I realized I'm not getting what I need in therapy. So I'm going to try this. And, and it really worked. But now you see a flooded market. When you go into Google, it seems there are so many people ready to coach other people. And very many of them might do well by other people. Here's what coaches, here, here's the, the primary coach conversation that they have is, hey, I don't want to speak poorly of other coaches, but X, Y, Z. Right? It's like, it's, it's the main conversation is we talk about each other and, and how we're inadequate in whatever way. So the differentiating factor, being able to have your energy, say, processed through Ariane's system or space holding is the fact that you were already holding pain and needed to be transmuted, right? So if you look at health and wellness, where I came from, 85% of the United States and, and Canada, for that matter, are what we call the couch market, meaning adults who do not engage in regular activity or who have not engaged in regular uh, physical fitness, not activity in 10 years. And then this leaves you with, you know, roughly about 15% of the remainder and then a very small percentage of that remainder you know, of the, that 15 percent maybe of 15 rather not 15 percent of 15 people maybe one or two people are a type a physically fit person who understands without outside influence that this is necessary for their life they'll always remember what chocolate cake tastes like they won't remember what physical fit, fit, fitness feels like unless they do it but they're type a and they, they take on a very logical approach to the pursuance of their health and wellness. Now, on their activities is where all the sales and marketing hangs its hat. They pretend that they're marketing to those people, but they're not. They're marketing to the remainder, the 12 or 13 people out of that remaining 15. And the grand majority of that 12 or 13 people, their thrust forward will be somewhere based in the reproductive instinct of wanting to look physically better. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's based in there. So you have one or two people who are doing it for a betterment of themselves in a very technical way. You have probably 10 people who are doing it because they want this result that then equals X. And But the easiest sale and the actual most effective clients are those who are doing it, the one or two remaining who are doing it because they are in pain. So to, to sell and to service somebody who is in pain and has that as a thrust forward, it's far easier for the client and the service provider. And without that thrust forward, like if somebody doesn't have the ability to, I, I, I there's something that, that any client I take on with anything to do with business has to swear to, so I believe it is that they are willing to be successful with or without me, right? Because I am not, if I was going to build their business for them, I'm not charging them nine grand a year for mentorship. I'm charging them $250,000. Why would I ever build somebody else's entire business and give it to them for nine grand a year? How about I just do it? You know what I mean? Like what? You want to start a yoga clothing business and want me to do all the work for nine grand and you're not going to actually make the calls or do the things? How about no? In, in, in the difference between $250,000 and $9,000, the actual numerical space between is where our agreement on the bullshit lies. We agreed to lay in this, all right, 
this is enough money to pay you where I can pretend that I'm going to do something. And this is enough money that I can charge you where I can pretend it's going to happen for you. And based on the vagary of our understanding and our, in our purposeful omission of what we feel intuitively is going to happen, we can both live in a lie with each other for a while. And because I said the right things, I could put myself beyond a place of reproach. And because it wasn't a life-changing amount of money for you, you won't want to kill me after. And you'll find, and because it wasn't a life-changing amount of money for you, you'll find no reason that it's not a good idea to quit when the going gets tough. And um, it's just, it's a get rich quick scheme. It's a, it's a lose 40 pounds in 30 days scheme. It's the same bullshit. <laughs> it's the same bullshit. So unless I have a feeling that somebody has that thrust forward, I will do nothing more than offer them anecdotal business coaching advice. I will not take on any clients who do not pay me. I mean, I've never been paid enough by a person to ever equal that, but unless I feel that they have the thrust forward and I've done it before and I, I know it's a regret. Um, it's like, no, nah, I can't co-sign for your delusion. I don't see it happening for you. And perhaps you need to go with somebody before me who's going to build you up. You know what I mean? And give you that confidence or help you uncover it before you come to me and ask me, how do I, how do I deploy this, this spirit into the world? And I think that's what I really appreciated too from working with you was that it was pretty straightforward. Here's what's on the table, take it or leave it. And, you know, what was really great too is you instilled so much confidence in me because you could see that I had that thirst to move forward with my life, even, even though you didn't know the outcome, you know, what the outcome would be of our coaching and our mentoring together. But yeah, really kudos to, to you on that because I think it's a really good pointer to point out to our audience. Like if you're looking for a mentor, just make sure that everything's on the table on both sides. And, you know, again, it's not the end all be all, you have to do your share of the work. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of get stuck is they don't realize the amount of work, like if you actually want to be successful and really implement or integrate the training that you're doing with your mentor or your coach, there's a definite, definite physical activity part in that you can't get away from it. And what was really great with you is again, like you allowed me the space to kind of go work in Roma as I pleased. But in a way, you also held me accountable with how I showed up. There was no bullshit. Like if I didn't show up, you, you would call me out on it right away. And yeah, super, super, I think an important tip when it comes to finding a mentor is somebody who just won't BS you. <laughs> Accountability is, is a pretty good quality for most mentors to have. Right? There could be nuance. I remember the day where it locked in for me that you were kind how whatever bumps and bruises on this path that you might take that you were you know barring extenuating circumstances unstoppable we were sitting on the porch in costa rica and i was like shit you were like two weeks into the program we're all kind of comfy with each other and two weeks into the program is when the new car smell starts to wear off for people right there's a number of reasons why the work sets in the weather sets in plane travels over or the anticipation is gone everybody's familiar with each other right so two weeks in is where you see a lot of where what people are going to do with it. One weekend is kind of easy. So we're sitting on the porch one day. And I think you got locked out of your website. Yeah, I did. It was my the host or something, the hosting. Yeah, you were like, oh, shit, I got locked out of my website. And you said that, you verbalized it, and you started picking up the phone. And you made the 7,000 calls and waited for four hours. <laughs> and you yeah. got it fixed. And I was like, what you just did there, that's the thing. Like, what you just did is the only thing 
that's going to separate you from everybody else who jumps off the boat. You're sitting in the hot, humid-ass heat with a shitty telephone connection, doing the least sexy part of the work, and the blip between you encountering an error and moving to clear that error, even though it was very boring and you know slow-paced to do so, it was almost like it was like there was about 45 seconds of downtime. That was the thing. And, but the look on your face was not one of existential dilemma. It was one of, uh, this is my responsibility. Like, I have to do it. Just the same way if you drop some milk on the ground, it would be your responsibility to wipe it up, not wonder about physics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Will the milk dry eventually? Where did the milk come from anyway? Is it, is it ethical to drink milk? <laughs> you know, swipe up milk and do the things. By doing the things, we are guaranteed the result. 100%. And I actually remember that day so vividly, too. <laughs> um, you coming up to telling me uh, to tell me that, oh, you know, this will make a difference in your business, like showing up this way. And you know what? Looking back now, it, it's, it's something that I can see has always kind of come back in the way that I do things. Like, although I didn't have my business necessarily set up, set up after, right after we, we finished everything, I still always had that consistency. And I find over the years, having that little bit of consistency and the desire to actually do the work has made a, has made a huge difference. And it'll wax and wane, right? When we're on a, we're on a, it's not always going to be a desirous pathway. And Sometimes that means it's time to bounce and get off the pathway. Sometimes it means that we're at a bit of a, you know, just a blip on the radar and we got to, we got to hold down and batten the hatches, but we're so also used to instant gratification. And if we're not used to it, we become trained more and more and more and more and every day. It's simply the ability to endure, like the most difficult thing in the world to do for people, I'm convinced is consistent meditation. It's more, it's more difficult. I would rather train for a marathon it's more there's more there's more like feedback loop in a marathon there's more feeling there's more interaction you know what i mean but to sit alone with yourself in the mundane silence or mundane darkness i don't know for humankind today if there's one more difficult activity and i am positive that there's not one more difficult activity that people by and large think is simple but don't do mm, very very true I, I find that really interesting your comment about instant gratification, because we don't always succeed, you know, and there are some of those people that try and try, but they keep failing or are not succeeding in the way that they want to succeed. What do you tell those people? There is a wonderful uh, law of physics at play, or, you know, I don't know if you consider it a law of Newtonian physics or quantum physics, or maybe just a law of like hippies who like to talk about physics laws, but there is a law called the law of big numbers, right? And typically, I think people in the conscious business space are, are, are dancing between two laws, which is the law of attraction and the law of big numbers. But the law of big numbers is what gives us solid reaffirming proof that our efforts will work out. It essentially says, and please forgive me for butchering a bit, is that on a long enough number line, like if you run pi out, for example, 3.1415, blah, 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 goes on infinitely. On a long enough number line, you will absolutely experience sequence or repetition and pattern. And so what this helps us to understand and to know mathematically and mathematical soundness equals confidence in a lot of people is that all we have to do is keep playing. That's it. And we are guaranteed a result. Now, 
Also, that result will be in kind, a nearly direct reflection of the energy and the intention that we've put into it. We don't got to be all you know, crystallized about it. It's just practically true. But there's also another little kind of pro tip in there is that the way we respond to those down times, like let's say if we're really just under the mud with it, feel like we're swimming in the Canadian, you know, swimming in a pool in a Canadian tuxedo, which is what the people in the U.S. call the, the blue jean jacket with the jeans on, right? <laughs> um, we feel like we're just heavily and weighted down. While it feels nearly impossible to move in that space, there's no motivation, there's no focus. Any movement that we muster is like extremely exponentially uh, more beneficial than it would be without that pressure, right? So if you choose, you don't have to stand up to the pressure. But if you do stand up to the pressure, it displaces more resistant energy than if there was no pressure at all. This is why people build muscles through exercise. We use inertia and resistance. And the more resistance, the stronger the muscles become. Also, the more painful the experience might be in the growth of those muscles. If you are experiencing a hard time or a sequence of hard times, while it sucks, whatever work you do in that time is tremendously more beneficial to you, yourself, and the world than if there was no resistance at all. Now, the last little cheat code is that, and I've seen this happen with so many people, I would not go as far to say that this is universal law, but this is uh, uh, like a story that gets repeated for a lot of people very often. Typically what will happen is people go through like a long, dark night of the soul. And we're talking about if people have like a, a definitive goal. They go through a long, dark night of the soul where things are really hard and they're going to kind of rally a bit, come back and take, a char take charge of their life in some way. Still weakened, right? Still a couple of arrows in their back, but rallied again. And in that moment, they're going to be offered something that approximates what their goal is. It comes close, checks 75% of the boxes, but it's not that thing. And if you deny that thing on the other side of that is almost always like a nearly immediate success. So a, a good thing for you know your listeners to listen to, I highly recommend that anybody going through these existential dilemmas or the the dilemma of consistent failure or depression or lethargy or why the fuck am I doing this anyway? Or, you know, there's this one part of my business or my life that I'll never get over. I recommend that everybody a few times a year, and especially in those times, goes on YouTube and listens to Tony Robbins tell the Rocky story, the story of actually how Sylvester Stallone conceived, wrote, pitched, and sold Rocky. And he is the it is a wonderful remembrance of so many of these things that I'm saying. This guy was so broke, he had to sell his wife's jewelry. He was so broke that he had to sell his dog. Wow. When he was that broke, he was offered hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy the Rocky script, but they wouldn't make him in the, the star, and he said no, and he held out. And somebody he, bought it. Somebody bought, I think here's what he got. And listen to Tony tell it because he does a much better job. Instead of hundreds of thousands of dollars for the script without him in it, he negotiated for 35000 or something like that, him being the star in the movie and getting points on the back end. He took, of that money, I think he sold his dog for 50 bucks. I think it took him $15,000 to go buy his dog back. Oh my gosh. Wow. And the dog in the movie 
his dog Buckkiss in the movie is his dog. That's the dog that he sold. Wow, that's pretty epic. Yeah, now he's probably a you know, a satanic ritualist. That's a whole different. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole different set of stories. But once upon a time, you know, uh, that's that's always that's always a, a uplifting remembrance for me to hear Tony Robbins tell the Rocky story. Because I don't, I don't see it working out differently for anybody. You know, even the character Rocky and Sylvester Stallone at the time, not a very technically fluid guy, right? It's just proof that almost like a, a brutish banging at the goal over and over and over, being rejected by every agent in New York, not one time, but 25 times. All you got to do is keep knocking. But I mean, that's easier said than done. Yeah, so true. But one thing I have noticed though in my life is every time that I got up again, the the sequences or the synchronicities of the things that I had let go of that I was working on in the past, but that I really wanted to be working towards, but my my mental health or my mental space or my emotional space just didn't allow me to get to that point. Everything always came back when I realigned myself to that path. And over time, it, it, it does manifest. You just, like you said, you just have to continue knocking on different doors. And eventually the, the door that you've been looking for or waiting for will open. And then, then once you pass through that door, you're going to be around other people who have passed through that door too. And there's a different energy signature that they have. And there's more doors to pass through. And what you'll realize is when those people, like those circles you wanted to be standing in before, or maybe those were affluent or cool people you wanted to be around or whatever, maybe that turned out to be bullshit. But when you find yourself in those circles, all you talk about is war stories, right? And if you don't have any war stories, you can't stand in the circle. Beat it. Beat it, nerd. You know what I mean? Like you took you know, like we're all battered and bruised and old and our backs are bent. You know what I mean? You got no war stories? Like I'm not gonna be mean to you, but I don't really care what you have to say because like it's, it's like you have nothing to bring to the table. It, it, I'm sure you do in some way, but in that specific circle, it's not about like if you go to a fight gym, right? Like where people are are killers. You don't hear a lot of people talking about whose ass they kick. You hear a lot of people talking about getting their ass kicked. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's, it's just taboo to be talking about how, how, how beast you are. But it's, it's humbling and connecting to talk about the beats you take. That's a very good point. I never looked at it that way, but it's, it is true. <laughs> so get some more stories under your belt. Thank you very much, Daniel, for all the words of wisdom. Thanks for the time. I appreciate you. Well, that was refined and real. Many thanks to you, our listeners, for staying with us until the very end. For more about us and what we do, check us out on our Facebook page, Refined Reality, the podcast. And a huge shout out to Architect for building our music. Like what you hear? Check out his info in our description. Until next time, get some R&R. Stay curious. This is Bobby Joe signing off.